Hi, this is Jeff Bolstowait, Senior Editor for TND World. Welcome to the Line Life Podcast. We're bringing you stories of the grit, courage, and inspirational teamwork that it takes to be a line worker. And our guest for the May 2023 Line Life Podcast is Joanne Ward, a retired high-voltage electrician, crew chief, and crew coordinator who worked in substation management and construction in Seattle City Light for 28 years. And she's a very interesting person. She's a published poet and wrote a book titled Utility. Husky Tools is proud to announce Women of Power, a new socially conscious, proactive program that presents powerful women and promotes their accomplishments in various industries. It is our mission to create awareness around training and educational opportunities while promoting strong women throughout the world. Our ultimate goal is to continue to provide opportunities for the betterment of women everywhere. See more at huskytools.com backslash women of power. Hello and welcome to the May 2023 Line Life podcast. My name is Amy Fishbach and I'm the field editor for Transmission and Distribution World magazine. For part three of the Women on the Line series, I'm talking with Joanne Ward, an electrical industry veteran and poet. Joanne, thank you so much for joining us today for the Line Life podcast. Thank you, Amy. I'm glad to be here. Joanne, to begin, can you talk about what inspired you to work in the electrical trade? Sure. It was kind of a circuitous route. I had no obvious connections to the electrical trade, no dad who worked with tools or worked on cars. My college background was in theater and performing arts, and I did teach as an instructor in the School of Speech and Theater at the University of Illinois for a couple of years, but found I didn't enjoy it and didn't want to pursue an academic career. So in 1966, I came to the University of Washington in Seattle to study creative writing, but I also was introduced to the prominent political issues and and movements of that time, women's liberation, racial discrimination, lesbian and gay struggles, equal and civil rights issues of all kinds. And I also became interested in non-traditional work for women which jobs were then becoming more open to women and people of color via newly developed affirmative action programs as avenues to higher salaries and a higher standard of living. I knew women who found jobs driving truck or driving buses or were working for the railroad to become locomotive engineers. I interviewed with the phone company for an installer's position just before I learned that Seattle City Light was actively hiring electrical helpers. I also liked the idea of working with my hands and working out of doors in a more physically active job. I had been an athletic kid and always enjoyed outdoor sports and activities. So was my decision altruistic? Not exactly. But those jobs opening up were really a question of equal opportunity for women. And you were hired as an electrical helper in the second wave of an affirmative action program at Seattle City Light. Can you talk about what it was like to work in the industry at that time? Sure. It was hard work physically, handling heavy tools and equipment, uh, moving and lifting heavy objects, running the hand line to journeymen up and down utility poles. It was hard work mentally dealing with new equipment, new machines, new procedures, new vehicles, hard work emotionally, 
meeting new people and facing people who disapproved of you being there from the get-go, people who didn't want to and wouldn't be willing to train you. So coming up against the overt, in-your-face dislike and the withdrawal, withholding, passive-aggressive dislike. So Joanne, how did you deal with these challenges? To overcome challenges, I think you need to make it clear you are serious about learning the job and doing it well, that you're ready and willing to carry your own weight. I like a comment from a cable splicer I came upon. He said, uh, everybody's life on the crew depends on the person they're working with. If they know you're going to be around, they tend to make sure you learn. You need to show respect for your coworkers, be as friendly as you can, be ready to help, ready to be useful, uh, ready to do the dirty work, which will be asked of you, believe me. If you run into problems with a coworker, I always thought it was uh, best to try it first, uh, if you can, to work it out with that person privately. But for more prolonged problems, uh, it was good to look for help from women in the locker room who you trusted or employee support groups. Uh, there was a group at City Light called Circle, and that stood for Committee for Equal Rights at City Light. And that group uh, provided a help to a lot of um, helpers and apprentices and employees in the trade. And you also can consider your union and your union shop steward representatives. There are avenues of support. It's important that new employees who run into problems look for help. Joanne, you are also a poet and wrote a chapbook called Utility. Can you read the poem 1978, Affirmative Action? Well, I'd be glad to. 1978, Affirmative Action in the Electrical Trade. Scene. I stand in a concrete alley that smells of piss and garbage falling out of a dumpster. Boxes of buildings fill with office workers in the chilly morning, and I envy their breakfast rolls and hot coffees. The orange bucket truck sits tight on its extended outriggers, its arms unfolded and turned by hydraulics the journeyman controls from above. Till the bucket sits next to the pole and de-energized wires where he can work with hand tools or a chainsaw or a come along. New to this job and unsure of my strength, I grasp a half inch rope with gloved hands, waiting for a tug, a yell, a signal from above that a load tied to the other end of this hand line on a pulley will get pushed over the edge of the bucket for me to stop its fall before it hits the ground. Backstory. The lineman and I have to work together today. He only knows I'm new and a woman. I only know he's big with black hair and beard 
and he's been told to tell me what to do. We're to dismantle the utility pole top down, unloaded of wire, insulators, cross arms, and hardware. He doesn't believe I can be of any help. I know I'm not wanted. The morning pitches us at each other. Action. I stand still, the line in both hands, almost leaning against it for comfort while I watch seagulls poke around in the garbage. Suddenly, the line comes taut, comes to life, whipping upward through my palms, barely leaving me enough time to see the cross arm dropping on me. I squeeze the rope, pull with all my weight, stop the arm about 10 feet in the air. As I look up, the lineman stands behind the edge of the bucket, smirking, close up. I feel shaky, my legs unhinged, like a puppet's with loose strings. As I untie the cross arm from the hand line, I'm struck by the blow of his silence. What he didn't do, the 10 foot long four by four battering ram upended out of the bucket with no word, no battle cry announcing the war. The first round of many I would win, some not, to prove I was good enough to do a man's job. Still scared, I clench my fists, go on with the job as if nothing happened, as if my heart weren't pounding my chest like a drum roll announcing my spot on center stage. I finish throwing the cross arms and the rest of the salvage into a dump truck I'll drive to the service center at the end of the day when I must find my way to unload all the junk. The long view, the dirt of days in and days out will collect under my nails and in the lines of my hands will cover my bruises, scars, other near misses. Word will get passed on to the crews, the utility, the city that we mean to stick it out Women will take and pass more tests, will come, same as the men, to make a living. Thank you, Joanne. And during your career, you became a high-voltage electrician followed by a crew chief and crew coordinator. What is your advice for women in leadership positions in the utility industry? In my experience, uh, and I served as a crew chief uh, on a, three different crews altogether, I think, over the years. And I found that um, first, it's important to, uh, to make clear from the beginning that you're not interested in the uh, my way or the highway methods. And that... Uh, you have a, a great deal of respect for the experience of your veteran journeymen and women. 
uh, and that you'll need their help and will want to discuss with them and work together with them uh, over how things should be done. Secondly, if you're a quiet person, you're going to have to learn to speak up loudly enough to get attention in a crew meeting, meetings of all kinds with groups of men. You have to let your voice be heard. You need to understand that you're going to be responsible not only to your crew, but to all the trades and disciplines that support your work. Warehouse employers, employees, uh, laborers, uh, steel workers, carpenters, so forth, and different um, electrician groups. And again, over time, you'll need to extend your sphere of influence to all the people that you deal with in these various types of work and make yourself known as a responsible person. That's a process, of course, that goes on over time. And before we go on to our next question, can you read the three-part poem, which includes the sections Electrical Helper, Crew, and Career? Yes, I'll be glad to. This poem is titled Utility. It's in three sections. Electrical Helper. One. Coming off the street, it was enough at first to coil and tie the half-inch rope in a figure eight to feel the socket fit the bolt's hexagonal head, the ratchets click, the purchase of steel crescent wrench hands, the heft of connectors clamping over pipe in small puzzles of nuts and bolts and flats, to learn how to snug copper without stretching threads, Stand a tall wooden ladder up like a tree, extend it rung by rung, 40 feet into a jungle gym of steel. Clip yourself around a beam in your climbing belt, hanging back on your scare strap to take apart and clean or build with both hands at the same time. Stand on your feet. Trust yourself to lean on air. Two, as if I were on the playground at school, I could run the tools and hardware up the hand line, keep ahead of the next step and play marbles with the boys. I could throw the wrench so well that it would lift in slow-mo, lying on its side the whole way a gift that dropped lightly in the journeyman's upturned palm. Crew. The electrical fields baked in August. Sun bounced off the substation's fractured rock in a mirage of shimmering water. The hair on the back of our arms rose from the yard's static charge 
as if it might escape swimming in skin. We tied bandanas soaked in ice around our necks. Late that afternoon, we hoisted three breaker tanks and bolted them to flanges with air guns, pumped the oil, gathered grunt bags with the tools, the rags, spare parts for the bins, dropped grounds from the grid and hefted them to the shed, agreed each one to sign away our clearance for the work done. I headed to my truck for the drive home, felt tingling on my neck to know that I was one of everyone who knew what job to do. Career. I sat in the breakfast nook at night reading textbooks, class notes on how to read the prints, manuals for the oil and gas and vacuum breakers with exploded drawings of the parts unfolding past the end of the page, with diagrams of how they worked, the path of compressed air through the chambers of a valve that slammed the contacts, contacts closed to launch power along the heavy lines high above the streets. I found the guys who knew I'd work, who'd show me tips on how to pass the transformer test, who knew they could call me names and I'd call them back, who'd shut up when I raised my voice. I had a chair at the lunch table. The day I passed all the company steps, I thought I'd won a medal. I walked to my locker in coveralls, tool belt over my shoulder, my throat full then for the balancing, the scales ahead. Thank you so much, Joanne. And now I'd like to move on to talk about workwear and personal protective equipment. Today, they make workwear specifically for women, but I imagine in the early part of your career, these garments weren't available quite yet. Can you talk about what you wore when you were working out in the field in the line trade? Well, uh, you know, I'd, I'd buy Carhartt uh, coveralls and I'd roll them up, you know, at the bottom of the legs. And uh, I'd adjust the shoulder straps as much as I could, but they'd still hang low on me <laughs> uh, somewhat. I think I was able to find um, small gloves. I have a size seven hand. It's really a small hand. I found that was to my advantage at times in tight spaces uh, over uh, some of the guys. But, you know, we needed uh, heavy leather gloves. The first day I came on the job, I had uh, a lovely pigskin pair of gloves that just were completely uh, burned through by the end of the first day I was on the oh job. My goodness. But, you know, I, I learned pretty quickly uh, to get uh, better, thicker gloves. And I was able to find those that would fit my hand. The utility would uh, sometimes pitch in on important stuff for safety, like um, fire retardant rain gear. I think that was a big issue. Boots, uh, well, 
it was possible to find steel-toed boots. And I learned uh, quickly why they were important to have. And um, I was able to find basic stuff uh, for the most part. But I'm sure they, you know, they do a much better job now. Um, in terms of safety, there would be special equipment uh, like Tyvek suits uh, when we were looking to protect ourselves from asbestos. And, and that was a big issue, a big safety issue when I was uh, a helper and first in substation maintenance and construction. And they, you know, they, they did come up, they did come up with a variety of sizes for the big people and the smaller people. And what about tools? So now they have the battery operated tools, which I've heard for the women kind of levels the playing field a little bit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That would be, now that would be a big plus. Yeah. Working and finding the needed leverage for pliers and scissors and whatever big stuff that was sometimes hard to do. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. But there were tricks of the trade that, you know, that would come up on the crew from guys that had been at it for many years. And oftentimes it was the older fellows who would really step up and be willing to train somebody new. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, I had some really good friends of guys who, you know, were already, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't have called them elderly, but they were, uh, they were a lot older. They were on, you know, closing in on retirement and they might have tips, uh, about how to handle uh, rope or how to handle tools, how to, uh, even though you were uh, maybe, you know, not the strongest person in the world. In the first few weeks uh, that I worked uh, on the line crews in the South End, uh, the big problem for me was the condition of my hands, uh, which were just not used to that much, <laughs> that much squeezing of flyers, <laughs> whatever, uh, holding on, you know, running the hand lines and so forth. And I would wake up and my hands would be just swollen, swollen and painful. And it would take some time to get them operating and functional for the day. But, uh, you know, I have to say that over the weeks and months, the strength in my hands and, uh, in my uh, in my arms, the growth uh, was significant, and I remember going to a, a family reunion in the Midwest after I'd been working for I don't know probably at least a few years, and uh, ending up playing some tennis with uh, with the uh, cousins and uh, realizing how much stronger my forearms were. <laughs> uh, on the court. Wow, did it make a difference? <laughs> I'm sure. Joanne, <laughs> uh, now I'd like to move on to talk about women in the line trade. What do you think are some challenges and opportunities for female line workers in today's utility industry? You know, the challenges... The challenges of the disapproval and anger of 
many men in the trade who look at women as intruders, uh, you know, out to steal their jobs and who are convinced as well that women cannot physically do the job still exist. Except perhaps that uh, the presence of women in the field may be less shocking and the resistance may be somewhat less virulent, perhaps less widespread at this time. I think that the opportunities for female line workers in today's utility industry are just as important and even greater today than 40 years ago in their offer of skilled work and stable careers, highly compensated with equal pay for women and men in an industry critical to carrying out climate-friendly projects at a time when the current workforce is aging out and job openings are, are and will become extremely plentiful. These jobs will, will afford a high standard of living, good healthcare coverage, and excellent retirement plans, even some defined benefit retirement plans maybe. Women should be educated about them and urged to come get them. And I realize that this is a culture problem that needs to be solved across the country. And Joanne, what are some of your tips for training women to work on a line crew? <laughs> you know, I, I never trained for a line crew position apart from being hired off the street as a line crew helper. But I like uh, Seattle City Lights approach of hiring uh, line pre-apprentices, I think they're called, and giving them six months, I think it is, of, of targeted physical flexibility and strength training uh, pertaining to climbing utility poles in hooks and, and hang, handling heavy tools and equipment while balancing on a pole, no easy task, including uh, introduction to the uh, the operation of special tools and hydraulic equipment uh, and uh, aerobic training, I think, as well. I understand, too, that the, uh, the job ap applicants' uh, physical capabilities are measured before and after the six months to be sure they can qualify for the apprenticeship positions. And that seems uh, like a fair way to make sure a job hire will be strong enough physically to get through the program. And Joanne, what do you think it'll take to recruit more women for jobs in the line trade? That's a big question. Number one, uh, how about affordable, decent, and dependable childcare as needed? Number two, I think a change in, in the culture of this country that traditionally has disregarded women as capable of or has seen them as uh, uninterested in non-traditional trade work. Uh, I also think a culture change at the high school level that will find an effective way to advertise shop classes as being important for and welcoming to young women. And I think now we need a concerted effort from the federal to the local level, kind of like a war effort, perhaps, 
to reframe the societal need for line workers to support the development of climate change projects for the country that shows that need to be great enough to require both women and men as line workers for utilities. Joanne, next I'd like for you to share what you've been working on since retiring from Seattle City Light. For example, can you talk about your book, Utility, and what inspired you to write it? Well, um, I wrote the first two poems of my chapbook within my first year of employment at City Light. I think it was out of the shock and amazement and sometimes the anger I felt in those first few months on the job. Some 28 28 plus years later, after I retired, my spouse suggested I think about writing a series of poems about my uh, City Light experiences that might be publishable. And it was true, I had plenty of material to draw upon. And I enjoyed getting back in touch with those experiences when I was writing And of course, it was exciting to have the book published finally. So if we're coming to the end, I think it would be appropriate to to read the last poem in the the volume called Cable Terminations, if that's okay. That'd be great. Cable Terminations. Part of me misses the cable and wire now, the concentric strands of copper of aluminum at the core. The strands that spiral along, wrapping tightly together to share their cargo, electrons in an instantaneous rush, like the flush of a sudden laugh. I remember the weight, the heft of it, though I'm not strong enough to heft it anymore the broad coils and arcs of cable spooling off hydraulic reels, filling tunnels or vaults or breaker cable rooms or expanses of air like copper suns or aluminum moons. Always harder for smaller hands to work it, unwieldy, exacting, to pressure the cutters and strippers, to turn the tools down and around through the jackets, the semicon, the shields, the insulation. We took precise care to slice only so far, to sand and clean and cut and pare as if the dank tent were a bright dry kitchen then crimping the connector to the cable end with the proper die and press, a squeeze down to the tightest fit before slipping the heat shrink tubing over the hole and getting out the torch gun, a dry seal without voids in the end, a bond that could withstand being connected to the white hot power. I didn't love to work with it. I knew its layers could get the better of me, would take another career in the downtown underground network for us to bond. 
Who knew? I'd come to think of it now. Come to love the touch. The words of it. Thank you. Toanne, thank you so much for joining us today for the Lion Life podcast. We enjoyed hearing about your experiences and having you recite your poems for our Lion Life podcast listeners. Also, thank you for paving the way for more women in the line trade. Thank you. Thank you again for having me, Amy. Husky Tools has the widest selection of line worker tools and equipment across every essential utility category. Born and raised in Chicago, Husky features the largest assortment of hydraulic cutting and compression tools powered by the industry's most powerful battery platforms. Husky Tools, line worker proven and utility approved since 1976. See us at huskytools.com and mention this podcast and we'll throw you a new Husky Tools shirt. This episode of the Line Life podcast was written, recorded, and edited by Amy Fishbach. It was produced by Jeff Postelway. That's me. To listen to past episodes, please visit tdworld.com backslash podcasts or find us on Spotify by searching for Line Life. You can also drop us a message at linelifepodcast, all one word, at gmail.com with your comments on this episode. We'd love to hear from you. And please follow this show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to be updated on when new episodes are released. Just head to the show description and see where you can find us on social media. Thank you for listening to the Line Life Podcast.